Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. I want to have pasta in one corner and tacos, cantaloupe, <laughs> and top it off all with turkey gravy. I get shamed a lot, and it's completely unfair. Cost us $700 for 15 minutes with a guy who smokes through his mask. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, 5 o'clock hour. Cofield, Adam Hill is the company. Ari is running the show here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Rest of the week, we're on the road. Battleborn Injury Lawyers tomorrow. Silver 7's on Thursday. And as we announced earlier, a new deal set up for the entire football season at one of our favorite places in town, Golden Circle Sportsbook. TI, we start that campaign on Friday. Every Friday, 3 to 6, we'll be doing our Friday football frenzy at the Golden Circle inside Treasure Island. Let me get it right. Inside Treasure Island. Parking is free. We have tons of uh, cool prizes every single week leading into the football weekend. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It finally happened. A dream of mine turned into a nightmare. One of my favorite players, hometown hero, Joey Gallo, going to my New York Yankees. Boy, that didn't work. No, it didn't. it didn't work. He was shipped out. We knew this was going to happen. He was shipped out to the Dodgers. So kind of cool for a kid who grew up in Las Vegas. He'll uh, get some time here with the Dodgers, and we can analyze that down the road. But it, it, it was getting bad. I know you pointed out there was an interview in the uh, the big paper in New Jersey, the Star-Ledger, with Joey Gallo, and you were kind of <laughs> stunned by it. I mean, you mentioned it got bad. It was bad. Yeah. And I, I didn't know quite the extent of how bad it was. Um, I read through this. Uh, I, I picked out two parts that really just stood out to me. Uh, the interviewer, and it's a Q&A. They published the whole interview in the paper. So go read the whole thing. But the parts that stood out to me, one was um, all the abuse that he gets at the stadium. And the person said, do you, you live in Manhattan? He said, yes. And he said, so when you go out, how bad is it on the streets? Are people just harassing you all the time? His response was, I don't go out in the streets. Oh, boy. And, and the interviewer said, come on, New York. He said, that's sad. And he said, yeah, I just don't want to show my face too much around here. That's ridiculous. That's insane. But know. it's also where he is at that level. And then the other the other part of this. And keep in mind, folks, Joey Gallo's a big guy, so he's not he can't really hide. He's right. 6'5", 240 pounds. Right. And so and he talked about how kind of the Rangers fans came to understand the fact that, hey, he's, he's not going to hit for an average. He's going to strike out a lot, but he's going to hit a lot of home runs. And he never really got consistent enough playing time to get in a rhythm. And he was really frustrated with that. And there was this part really stood out to me, and you're gonna you'll understand why. I often Think when I reach out to like support somebody or like comfort them in a situation, I I get so obsessed with how are they going to receive this? Like, is this you're just trying to do the right thing and help somebody out? How are they going to receive it? And this goes back to my thing about just constantly thinking about others. Apparently, this was a thing with Gallo too, because he said as other teams would come to town, when they left, they would reach back out to him and be like, "Hey, man, it's going to be okay." Like, like it was that bad in the like stadium. Like it was that bad in the stadium. Yeah. And he said he didn't want to single out anybody individually. This was his answer, though. He said, I don't want to mention any names specifically, 
But I'll say this. Kansas City guys just reached out to me over the weekend, a bunch of them. It makes me feel like a piece of blank, honestly. I remember playing here with the Rangers, watching players get booed off the field and thinking, holy blank, I feel bad for that guy, and now it's me. I do appreciate people reaching out to me, but it makes me feel like I'm a problem. <laughs> yeah. that's it's, it's that bad. What does that make you think about New York as a sports market? I mean, holding players accountable? <laughs> Tied in other Ooh, things we'll talk about. Okay, we'll get to that but, number but one. Also, but is it too much if someone's you're, you're you're yeah you're dropping someone into a depression? The guy he didn't feel comfortable going out on the streets of Manhattan. Go get some food and, and we'll go and, shopping. I mean, and, come on, that line is there somewhere. Yeah, and obviously there are certain guys react differently, right? I mean, I think certain guys would kind of use that and fuel yeah. them, and it'd be better. But there are personality types, and this is not a. I don't. I'm not saying one is better than the other or whatever. There are certain personalities yeah. that if you if you start to put the pressure on them, it gets worse and they make it worse. I, I you know I feel like I would be that way for That's sure. That's why so many times when we discuss coaching or playing in that Northeast corridor, Boston, Philly, you know, or New York, I mentioned, hey, I don't think this person is going to be a good match. And we've seen it time and time again. There are players and coaches who just can't handle it. I mean, Joe Judge was a complete horse's ass. Yeah, and then part of other one of the coaches. There's so also. many coaches that have crumbled. There's so many players. I mean, there's a there's a long list of Yankee players, and obviously, you know, the most famous Met player. And there's been a lot of them who have fallen apart. Now he got the ultimate revenge because he got like a 30 year deal of deferred money. Is Bobby Bonilla? Bobby Bonilla was a good player, but man, he was cocksure and like he 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 wanted to fight back, and it just it, it just rolled downhill. He yeah. just eventually he fell apart. And Joey Gallo said, all, you know. Since he wasn't hitting and he hasn't been producing, he just tried to be a better and better teammate and be like a better guy, a better friend, and all that. And then, and then he would be like, "Don't touch his bat! You suck! We don't want him to suck!" And it's almost like this is what I've been reduced to, like being the the cheer, like not not specifically that, but this is all I can do is pick up a guy's bat for him. Like this, it got, and we're laughing. It's not. Funny. I'm not laughing. It's I don't. Sad. I wouldn't laugh at my guy Gallo. It's incredibly sad, but. I mean, I think you I'm happy just, for him, man. Get the hell out of there for him to get to LA yeah. and potentially play for you know for some important at bats and get a fresh start and all of that. Number four. All right, well, he's going to the Dodgers, and we know the Dodgers at the trade deadline always load up, right? And we always know that the Padres have been not always Padres recently have been close, but they haven't really pulled the trigger when they need to. Oh, they pulled it the last couple of days. Yeah. Taylor Rogers had sucked of late. They're like, all right, we're going to get Josh Hader in here. He's better. Let's do that. And, man, there are a lot of teams in the Derby for Juan Soto. They just got a 23-year-old outfielder who just turned down 15 years and $440 million. It's probably a lock to hit, you know, 35 homers every year as long as he's healthy. And they gave up a bunch of prospects for him. And they're in, man. They're in. They did it. Good for the Padres. Juan Soto will be able to show his face in Gaslamp. Yes. San Diego's nothing like I mean, the fans are not. They're just not like I'm that. Just, I'm just caught up on Joey Gallo not being able to just go, oh, that's crazy. go get food it's crazy. in Manhattan. So yeah, now you, you've got a, you've got a Padre team, and I don't want to be a smartass here because they, they're doing what they are supposed to do. But I remember, you know, we've covered the Padres a lot. And I, I thought a lot of the Padres' issues, well, some of the Padres' issues in the past, again, to play to that whole expectations thing, right? They had such a beautiful park. It was almost like Cubs light. Like, Cubs fans are stupid. They just keep going out to Wrigley because it's an outdoor bar. And you see what the Ricketts are, are doing. They're like, hey, we're going to make money anyway. They, they're stupid. They're going to keep keep showing up. And that was that was always my complaint with the Padres. Like, you're not small market, so cut it out. So now, 
now that they've traded all these prospects, Juan Soto will be signed long-term. He just turned down $440 million. They will probably have to sign him. It's either going to be shorter years or more money. They could sign him for half a billion dollars. The Padres, who people used to give a break and go, oh, Padres, money, eh. Padres are going to wind up having Juan Soto with a deal, probably $500 million. Manny Machado signed for three hundred. Tati signed for $340 million. That is $1.14 billion in three-player investments. I love it! Wait, are you sure they're going to sign him? Oh, I think they will. I don't think Although they, they will. traded? I don't think they will. So here's, here's Really? The you thing think they're going to let it run out? Well, they have him. It'll be arbitration for two years. Okay. But and he'll make like $30 million, I think it'll be, probably okay. per year. Yeah. But you don't have to sign him long-term. You have him through 2024. Yeah. And again, arbitra- it's not going to be at this you know, absolutely nothing salary. Okay. But I think you can go till 2024, pay him the $30 million or whatever it's going to be per year, and then see where you are at that point. So to a minimum, they've made a $700 million investment. 60, yeah. 60 for him moving forward. I mean, it's it's a big deal. It sends – and the, here, the biggest thing is it's perception. They're going to sell so many more tickets. I mean, they do well now. People are going to be so fired up to go to freaking Padres games. That, that you spend money to make money, right? And you have to be good at managing your baseball team and good at talent evaluation. You can't, you know, you can't throw away, you know, seven Patrick Corbin deals because then you turn out to be the Nats, right? Can we can we not have them invest so much? The tickets are a little cheaper. I'm, no, just, I'm looking on that front. I'm actually looking at tickets for Thursday, hoping that it's his debut. Good lord! Already, I was going to say week <laughs> weeknight lord. games. You might have a chance. Now, one of the interesting things in this was the Padres wanted to shed a little bit of salary. Uh, Eric Hosmer, they tried to throw him in the deal, even though he had the Nats on a no trade, which is incredible that D.C. would be on a no trade. But they're not trying right now. They're going to go into full rebuild. He winds up landing in Boston, which I think is fascinating. But you like the fact that he was like, and by the way, the number one meme today with Hosmer telling San Diego, I'm not going to D.C. was? Go go F yourself. Yeah, Ron Burgundy video of go F yourself, San Diego. But it's the opposite. It's, I'm not leaving. Yeah. It's not. It's, I mean, it's it's yes that, but it's also no. What on earth would I? I'm playing baseball. We, I had a conversation last Padres this, this game. This is a great point. Like yeah. a month and a half ago, I said, "Is there anybody that has it better than Eric Hosmer, who's just playing out his baseball career, making like it's like twenty million a year? He got he, an eight year, one hundred forty four million dollar year uh, deal, and he's making twenty two million, and he's basically a like a fourteen homer, seventy ribby guy at just first base in one of the most beautiful cities in the country. The most, and he's just hanging out, chilling. I'll take my twenty million, hang out on the beach, live in Gaslamp. Wait, go to where? No. Were you surprised? Not. Were you surprised? I mean, I guess he can now lean on the fact that, like, when the Red Sox are sort of competing, I think they're going to tread water enough to be in the wild card race. I. He's not exactly a Boston player. I wonder what he'll do when Boston turns on him. Now here's the I, I n- n- none of the this shouldn't be based on how much money you make. Hosmer's back end of his deal actually his money goes down. He signed a front loaded yeah. deal, so he still do three years, thirteen mil a year. He can opt out after this year. I think he'd be pretty stupid too. I would just take that money and 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 you know and be that you know four hundred and fifty at bat. You know, like I said, fourteen seventy guy. Uh, I wouldn't. I would take that money and have an ankle injury, quote unquote, every spring training. And just collect my checks. I don't blame them for not wanting to leave San Diego. They got a pretty good situation going. 
number three. Walk through today for the Raiders as they get ready for the uh, trip to Canton Hall of Fame weekend. They play in the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. What's the latest line update on that? I saw it was one this morning. Jaguars won one and a half, kind of bouncing back and forth, 30 and a half the total. Some things to watch in the game. Oh, here we go. The depth chart is out. <laughs> this means everything, doesn't it? Please don't do this. This means everything. Cleve Furl on the two line. What? At defensive end. How is Trey Mullen the seventh cornerback? No idea. By the way, how is Cleve Furl the number two player at his position? And we haven't seen him in practice since he got hurt. Uh, so I don't know how he's moved up or down anywhere. This was quite the depth chart. It's preposterous. I don't I don't know what's going it's, on it's here. Silly. Don't read too much into it. Uh, Alex Otherwood without a first team rep in weeks, and he's the first team right tackle. Wonderful. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. But they, what is, they put out a depth chart because they had to. What is the D tackle rotation? Because right now, uh, the D tackles are listed as Billings and Bilal Nichols, who's not available. Uh, behind them, Lancaster, Pecco, uh, Butler, Vickers. What, so what? Who's who's playing D tackle in this game? Jonathan Hankins is like the twelfth defensive tackle. That's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, and he's again on on pop, so he can't play anyway. Neither is Nichols. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know. I have no idea who's going to be playing and who's who's going to be out I there. I still want to get you on it's the record so now on running back. Good. On who's going to play? Yeah. Is uh, Amir well, White ready to play already? By the way, defensive tackle, I'll just say Billings probably will not play. He Billings has been the starter. Like He, he looks like he's going to be the starter right now okay. with Nichols. Um, and Hankins is not out there. They're not eligible to play right now. So he's probably going to start, so he probably won't play in the game. Um, running back-wise, I can't imagine Josh Jacobs plays. Uh, I would imagine Kenyon Drake doesn't play either. I probably they probably want to get some carries for Zamir White. Uh, Britton Brown hasn't been practicing, so I, I don't think it's. By the way, him. Drake and Brown were listed as like five right. six on the running back okay. line. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> don't stop. Uh, Please post that. I want to see you bicker with people over the depth chart and what it means. Who knows? Like Jakob Johnson doesn't need preseason, but he's like the only fullback, so he'll probably be out there if they have formations that they want to see a fullback. I suppose. Uh, Brandon Bolden, I don't think, needs any preseason. He knows the system very well. He's been in it for a long time. Um, I would imagine quite a bit of Zamir White that you're going to see. But who knows? A lot of what the running backs, I'm not going to say they need to do anything, but um, the pass game is going to be important for running backs to get on the field. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, a lot of throwing to Josh Jacobs in a training camp that we've noticed. Uh, I've been the, asking for that, right, over the, the years. Well, the page, well, but here's the thing: why? I, I I agree with you. Get him the ball in space. Let him let him run. But now you bring in Kenyon Drake is is one of the better receiving backs in the NFL. He's been here last year, obviously, but he's still on the roster. Brandon Bolden has specialized in that throughout his career, no question about it. So like, you've got guys that do that job better. So yes, get get Josh Jacobs the ball in space more and let him operate. Uh, but a lot of these guys are going to be involved. We we saw. Uh, that chart that came out last week that I posted uh, from PFF that the Patriots have the least amount of games where the you know the lead back gets the most gets the most amount of carries. Basically, they have the most varied uh, attack in terms of running backs that get that get the ball, and I think that's going to continue here. Number two. So big news of the day in the NFL. Actually, not Deshaun Watson. It almost felt like a news dump to get Deshaun Watson out of the headlines. Stephen Ross. This isn't good for the NFL. Stephen Ross smashed by the league for tampering. With Tom Brady on two different occasions, 2019, 2022, he was fined a million and a half dollars. He's been uh, docked a first-round pick and a third-round pick. And the other conclusion that came out of the investigation is that all that stuff that uh, 
Ross potentially offered Brian Flores money to lose games a couple of years ago. He apparently was joking about that. No one could take that seriously. Oh, he did it. But he was joking. I saw Andrew Brandt, who was a longtime NFL exec, said, wait, so the NFL found that Stephen Ross did say something to Flores about paying him $100,000 per game to lose, but, quote, it was not intended to be a serious offer. Of course, owners joke about that kind of thing all the time to their coaches. Great one. And then Stephen Ross releases a statement. He's like, we're exonerated. We never tried to fix games. Like, no, you were not exonerated. Stephen Ross, uh, I think I'm going to go see him at the comedy store this weekend uh, when I'm down in Southern California. <laughs> different one. The great, great comedian. Different one. No, no, he's, no, he's, he's great. He's had a lot of jokes, okay. a lot of good ones. All right. Hey, I'm going to pay you guys 100000 to lose. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Coming up after the break. By the way, we're rolling on video right now, so you're, you can watch us during the break yeah, as well. We'll come back nonsense. on video, on air. You don't think it's a good joke? We got it. It was great. That's why uh, Michael Irvin <laughs> had his, his laugh there. Um, boy, Max Pacioretty had some really interesting things to say now that he's gone from the Knights, and most of it was around the atmosphere being sort of country club-esque, that there wasn't a lot of urgency, uh, there wasn't a lot of fear. He needed to be motivated, he said. He liked playing in Montreal. Vegas wasn't like that. He also took a couple of shots, sort of, at you, the fans, and us, the media, that's on the way. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Anytime we lose a player to injury reserve, it's a loss. But you have 90 guys on the roster that are all competing. Um, we have depth at that position, and you know we're going to see how it plays out over the course of training camp. But guys have stepped up you know, in some of the absences we've had already, and they have opportunities. If somebody goes down with an injury, that certainly presents an opportunity for others, and hopefully some of those guys will take advantage of it. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. First depth chart is out for the Raiders. It's interesting. It's interesting. Don't. Don't pay attention too much to it. There's so many injuries, and then uh, there are you know, situations where guys aren't going to play this weekend. Check that. This Thursday. Hall of Fame game, Hall of Fame weekend. Cliff Branch, Richard Seymour, both former Raiders, are going in. So we have a really interesting story with uh, Max Pacioretty, who's no longer a Vegas Golden Knight. And he was on a podcast the other day and uh, was talking about his experiences in Montreal and in Vegas, and I don't think he's taking shots. It's just his observation that this is a different kind of hockey market. When I first got there, I was almost like, it was kind of weird that there was no accountability. And I'm not talking about like within the team, I'm talking about like, like everywhere. You just like, you couldn't feel pressure coming off of anyone else from the coach, from the management. Like, and then at the same time, like I, if, even if you wanted to find out what the media was saying about you, I don't even know how you would even go about that because it's like, I don't even know where the media would be on Twitter. I don't even know what to search or anything like that. I had an awful game and I come in and everyone's saying hi to me. And I'm like, okay, this is a little weird. Like normally like we walk by each other and like stare at the carpet. There was a relief when I got there, but then I found myself being like, okay, I got to kind of like reel this thing in and, and hold myself to a higher standard and hold Kick myself. Your own more. ass. Yeah, exactly. Which I had always done my whole life, but maybe I got away from that a little bit when I had everybody else kind of holding me accountable. So we heard two different things. The biggest thing I heard out of that was that the organization was soft, which I I never expected to hear that one. I thought maybe the conversation would be about, and maybe he'll get to it, about, hey, within the locker room, there weren't enough hard asses, you know, especially when Reeves was gone. But 
But he specifically said, he said it, within the team, it was fine. Uh, he said coach. Mentioned coach. So he thought from management, they, said, they, they weren't real hard asses. He said, I'm saying not within the team, but from other places. And then he I, said I, coach. I, I know, but he, yeah. he started that conversation by saying, and right before he said coach, he said, I'm not talking about within the team. I'm talking about from everywhere. Yeah. From the so coach, Adam's from take the, on this, and this has always been his take, is that Vegas is a crap hockey market, that the fans aren't hard enough on the nights. And then his media comment, I guess you guys have no impact when you were quadruple staffing the team. You've dropped it down to like one and a half people now. Uh, I didn't even understand what he was talking about there. I guess he like there's not enough media coverage, basically. Well, I can I can translate Max Patch ready for you. I think that's yeah. part of the issue um, when everybody kind of hears different things on this. Right. He is very careful what he says. So there's a couple of points in this podcast. Like he he was asked about how he felt about the decision between when they pulled Flurry after making the blunder and put in put in Leonard, and he stopped and he just goes, I don't even remember how I felt. Like okay, he, he just he doesn't want to offend people. Right. So when he's saying this, he says everywhere, he's saying fans, media, general manager, owner, everyone is just too soft. Because everybody is so friendly and everybody there's it's a love fest, which is so different than what he's used to in Montreal, and that it was just it got too comfortable and that was from everywhere. The I don't know how to find the media like that. That that's a weird comment. Well, I think it's more that there's not a lot of media coverage as compared to Montreal. And, and yeah, and and there's a lot of fans in the locker room. I mean that that is part of that's part of the issue, and it's it's certainly you know part of part of what it is of hey you walk in the locker room and everybody's all happy. It's that's kind of what comes from having a lot of fans that are, you know, have blogs and that sort of thing that are covering the team. A lot of these guys haven't played somewhere else, so they don't know really what it's like. And I felt myself personally, uh, it always gets the best out of you when you have either a coach or somebody or when they're demanding and hold you accountable. And I found myself almost missing that a tiny bit when things went wrong this year. Yeah, I find myself, you know, kind of wanting that accountability now. But when I first got traded, definitely not. I, I I had to kind of take a step back and, and reel myself in when it came to that. If I were a Vegas hockey fan, I wouldn't take offense to this because I think it is going to become a hardened market, a much more hardened market. Um, the fans that do show up will be demanding things. And the fans who are softies probably won't go. Yeah. Or they'll go a lot less. So the people who are really vested in hockey and really like hockey and have expectations for this team, they're going to hear it. You know, the funny thing is, I hear Patches say this. Meanwhile, I thought Marcia so did it every so often where he was like, oh, you know, like kind of reacting to getting booed yeah, and getting weird. a negative reaction. So w- which one is it? it it's Are the fans weird. here too soft? Or as Marcia said, like almost like at one point, it seemed like Marcia so was suggesting they're better off playing on the road. The negativity <laughs> in the building. I'm like, what? But, and also earlier in this podcast, Max Pacioretty said Pete DeBoer is the best coach he's ever played for. Ooh, okay. So I, which I took as a shot clearly at management of the Golden Knights for moving on from DeBoer. So there's a lot of kind of back and forth. There's a lot of interpreting you have to do when you listen to Max Pacioretty talk because he doesn't want to make headlines. He doesn't want to offend. He doesn't want to say exactly what he means all the time. You have to kind of read into what he says. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We don't have everybody out there yet. You know, the guys that have been out there have had great opportunities now. They're competing hard with one another. We're asking them to play a few different roles inside, working on all their pad level and their technique and those types of things. It's a grind for those guys, too, playing a run, playing double teams, pass rushing. It's a process on both sides of the line. This is definitely a third day in pads helps us try to take a step forward. 
Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Josh McDaniels on the way back. Defensive line trying to work through some injury issues. A lot of competition there. I don't know if the most important players, and that's not to diss the guys who are threes and fours on the roster. I don't know if the all the defensive line were going to be out there busting their humps at the Hall of Fame game. But we got the game coming up. It's a giant weekend for the Raiders organization. Cliff Branch and Richard Seymour are going in. MJ Acosta Ruiz covered the Raiders and the Niners in Northern California. She's now with NFL Network. We wanted to talk a little Raiders today, so she's nice enough to give us a couple minutes with Steve and Adam here in Vegas. How are you? Hi, guys. Good to be here with you. Hey, we're fired up. We're fired up for this Raiders season because all the changes. And I wanted to get your take on the uh, the offseason, you know, both with uh, McDaniels, but uh, first with the player acquisitions. What do you think of what the Raiders did going out and making the, the biggest of splashes by getting Devontae Adams? I have to preface my answer by saying that one of my main analysts on Total Access is David Carr. Yes, so yes, yes. there's no lack of Raiders coverage or enthusiasm oh on our set, as it should be, right? Yeah. So, but the day that the Tay Adams trade went down, David was on the show. So was James Jones, as you know, former Raider and huge um, proponent and almost bestie with Tay Adams. So we got oh a FaceTime in the middle of the show from Devontae Adams to James Jones. We're live on air. I'm like, James, you answer that right now. So immediately, right out of the gate, um, we just knew that this was, for obvious reasons, and what Devontae brings to an offense was going to be great, but also you just know the the deep-rooted connections here between Tay and Derek. Um, You know, Derek coming out of a year where he had career highs and pass yards. I mean, come on. It's, It's just going to be something special. And getting to see in person um, at training camps uh, over the weekend. I've never seen someone float across the field, and you're talking to somebody who was a former NFL cheerleader, so I know all about crossing the field effortlessly. Tay Adams is just a different kind of breed. He's, uh, I was going to say he's setting a tone because he works his butt yeah. off in practice. Same thing with Max Crosby. I mean, they've got they've got some high-character guys on the team. What what were your general impressions? Uh, I know you were out here a couple of days ago uh, being out at the facility. First of all, the facility is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? It, I mean, it's just an extension of the stadium. It is legitimately another, like a smaller version of the spaceship, as I call it. It's the Death Star, you guys call it out there. It's phenomenal. Very, very cool. Um, I made all of my coworkers jealous because I, I got to be inside. Um, for training camp, while everybody was sweating profusely across the league on Back Together Saturday. Um, in terms of the team, though, you know what I really like? I always watch the defense pretty closely, and a guy that I've always been really high on is um, Max Crosby. From his initial arrival into the league, he was just one of those guys who worked extra hard. And now here he is. He's been extend- extended with the team. We've seen what he's done off the edge for the Raiders' defense. And there he was at training camp on a Saturday, which is an extra practice for them, and he was the last one off the field. So I went over and got to talk to him for a little while and just told him how excited I am for him, how proud I am of him. Um, and he talked to me very briefly as usual, but said, all right, I'm going to get back to work. And I said, do not let me stand in your way. And that's the type of stuff, the, the things that people don't see, right, in the clips that you see from practice, that takes it to the next level. You mentioned the facility being an extension of the stadium. Did you know that Mark Davis's house that he's building is basically just the facility? Stop it. it looks it the is. same. It, <laughs> it looks the same. It yeah. is. Yep. So 
doesn't surprise me yeah. for some reason at all. <laughs> That's on brand. It's going to be nuts. Uh, also, you you didn't just come to town to work. You got an award from the Carr Brothers, I think. Dude, in no way, shape, or form was it official, but to me, it is the highest honor of my life. Um, anybody who has followed my, my journey on television knows that I am a very big natural and curly hair advocate. So while I love David Carr to pieces, he is my, my analyst brother here on the show, um, I felt a little snubbed when he was awarded. I felt like there was a little bias there coming from his brother uh, that he won the best hair at NFL Network Award last year. My um, glorious mane, my fro, as I kindly call Angela, because she is in charge. Um, we have some words. We have some words from David. But, you know, they, they rectified it. Um, I won not unanimously this year, but you know what? I'll take it. Um, it's, it's an honor that I will carry with me for a very long time. Yep, yep. Do the Carr brothers actually, do they have people who tend to their faces and hair like on a regular? <laughs> I, I'll just tell you, as a not-so-good-looking guy, um, I I don't like the Carr brothers. They make me very angry. They always they always look, they always look very photogenic. I got they are absurdly photogenic and just as kind as they are handsome. And I have to give a shout out to uh, Melody Carr, David's wife, because I have to credit her uh, with the grooming. She she stays on top of it. She keeps the whole family looking great. She is fierce in her own right. So so got to give Melody the props where they are due. I actually uh, date and live with a makeup artist, and she's like, she's just Shut like, up. I, she's like, I have, I can't do anything for you. She has, she doesn't even try. <laughs> she she won't even. Too she, much. she won't do my eyebrows. Nothing. She's like, just go, just go with your natural look. Just 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 stick with that. Uh, Let's talk a little more uh, Raiders on the field. This is very interesting. They're, I think by the middle of the season, if the Raiders are doing well, their offseason moves are going to be looked upon as great moves. But they did make right. an interesting decision here. Spending a lot of money, and this is the new trend with receivers, spending like $29 million a year on Devontae Adams yeah. and picks. Like, I wonder where this is going to go. And if we get to the middle of the season and we're like, oh, boy, maybe they needed to spend a little more money, that Tay Adams money on the O-line and D-line. I mean, yeah, listen, it has to be a balanced situation, right? And nobody talks about the offensive line until the offensive line is a problem, right? Um, but I think that Colton Miller has really elevated his game. I've seen his development. Of course, he was part of that big draft class uh, with the Raiders several years ago, and I think he's become such a – one of our analysts called him an anchor um, for this offensive line. But to your point, now when you look at the Raiders on paper, there's no disputing whoever did have questions about the level of talent that they're bringing in now one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive division in the league in this AFC West. So right now, as it stands, if you're just looking at it, you're like, holy cow, like, how do you stop? How do you stop this? And how do you get this going on the offensive side of the ball? Um, so I think the pressure is on now for the Raiders to live up to that expectation. But one thing about it, what I know about this team, you don't need to give them a chip on their shoulder. They come in with one. Um, and so I'm expecting a lot from them when they come in. But everybody has to be rolling on all cylinders at every single uh, phase of the game. Yeah, along those lines, did you get the sense just being around the team and inside the facility that there's just been a, kind of a weight lifted? Last year was just brutal for everyone. Derek Carr sure. talked about yeah. waking up every day and thinking, what next? What's going to happen yeah. today to this team? Do you feel that weight gone? I feel like a lot of it has, you know, we call it distractions, but I felt like that was downplaying it, right? A, a distraction is, you know, somebody trolling you or, or some, something salacious coming out. Like, these were very serious, very heavy issues that the team was dealing with last year. And still, and still, the players were galvanized to go out there and play for one another, to play for the fan base. 
So now with all of that cleared, I mean, there's so many changes from GM to head coach to team president all the way down the line in terms of the roster. I think what you see now, and, and I was very clear to say this on Saturday as well, it's not a transition, but rather an evolution of the franchise of where this team stands. Um, and I think it's something to, to really applaud the team for how they have come together and continue to produce and do well. But now it's time to, to rise even above that further uh, and really come out here and make a very deep playoff run. It's the voice of uh, MJ Acosta-Ruiz, host of NFL Network's NFL Total Access, uh, 3 o'clock Pacific time show, two hours each day. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I I didn't. I wanted to cut this interview off before it ever started, just Uh-oh. because. Uh-oh. Just before you came on, you're trashing in and out on Twitter. Oh, no. This is sacrilege, dude. Okay, let's Here be very go. clear. Here the burgers, go. the burgers slap. No, <laughs> okay. no problem with the burgers. I can. Are you really going to sit here and argue with me about these fries? The fries these, are atrocious. These, like these it's, it's an insult to the burgers. I don't even notice them. They're, they just go along well with them for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> She's laughing at you. And you're probably drowning them in other things, like animal-style fries. I'm like, that's just a little bit too much decadence for me in one. Like, I just want to enjoy a fry for what it is, and In-N-Out doesn't allow me to do that. I want them to succeed. Can we have some salt? Like, salt is really all I'm asking for. There's no salt? Really? I well, feel like there is. Enough. I don't know. But I am Latina. We do use a lot of spices in our. I don't know. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Also, am I the problem? I like, like They're it. also I fresh. Like. They're fresh, not yeah. frozen. You want frozen fries. We get it. <laughs> she wants salt Maybe and taste. Is. My toxic trait. I want frozen fries. Yeah, your toxic trait. Uh, so what does NFL Network have coming up? I imagine it's going to be crazy coverage of Hall of Fame game and the uh, Hall of Fame oh weekend. No question. Hall of Fame game, always one of, not only what I feel starts, I know it's still part of the preseason, but what really kicks off the actual game on the field action for us. Um, Canton is always so special. We have enshrinement, of course. Um, Raiders, of course, prominently featured this year as they're playing in the Hall of Fame game. But a really interesting thing, too, in Canton that will be going on um, is sort of the kickoff of the NFL votes initiative out there as well. So they'll be able to register fans to vote out there, um, give them more information on how they can educate themselves on the voting process, um, and, and how to make sure that their voices are heard um, when we get into midterms this November. So I think that's just a, another slice of, of, of what happens in Canton that, that makes it so special and another initiative that, that the league is really taking very seriously. This is a big weekend for Vegas because we've got the national convention in town for NABJ and NAHJ. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask yep. you, uh, you know, you've broken through pretty well. You're doing you know, uh, some really good stuff with NFL Network. When you look around the landscape of the sports media, are we doing a good enough job from a diversity standpoint? Uh, I don't think so. I think there's still a very long way to go. I think the strides that have happened so far um, with diversity and inclusion are monumental. That's not to discount what's happened. I think I'm, I'm sitting proof, right, um, as, as the first and only woman of color who hosts um, a show here at the network. Um, but there's so much more to be done in that area. I will be at NABJ nice. um, and NAHJ convention um, this Thursday along with, with the NFL. So we'll be talking to just folks trying to break, break into the business, not just on air, by the way, but there are so many jobs um, across the league and across the sports platform and in news as well. I started off as, as a local news um, reporter. Um, so, so there's so many different avenues to get into there. But, but really what I'm also looking to see um, is more like C-suite and SVP levels with, with more diversity candidates and more diversity hires as well. I think once you get up into that 
um, level is when you really start to see change, which is why when I was at Raiders camp on Saturday, the first person I requested to speak with was Sandra Douglas Morgan, who's the new team president for the Raiders. And I was already a fan. So if you want to join the Sandra Douglas Morgan um, fan club, just reach out to me. We will have t-shirts. I am the president of the fan club. She is phenomenal, phenomenal, so accomplished, um, and just a class act all the way. Um, very probably, if I may, my favorite uh, acquisition from the yeah. Raiders this offseason. Well, um, so uh, it, it, it's huge. And so to be able to be at an NAPJ and just see it in, um, from the journalistic standpoint is really, really special. Yeah, I was going to say, for, for us in Vegas, and I'm not a native, but I've been here like 27 years. Adam's been here a little longer. I thought it was really important for the Raiders to start planting a little more of a foothold locally. And she is a true mm-hmm. local. And everyone yep. here, like every power broker in town, had something nice to say about it. She's a true local. Uh, no question. And like to quote Ron Burgundy, she's kind of a big deal. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. she, she's, she's done it all and accomplished so much already. I think what she brings to the table um, is really going to elevate the, the organization even more. Well, enjoy her while she's here because she's going to be senator in like five years. So I know, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the spot. That was great. Uh, you know, and enjoy your time back here in Vegas. Okay. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. There she is, MJ Acosta Ruiz, NFL Network. We get her on uh, every once in a while, and she, you know, she covered the Niners and the Raiders for NFL Network when uh, you know both were in Northern California and. Uh, interesting career track she mentioned. She was a cheerleader for two years, uh, went to Barry University in Miami, so grew up in Miami, then went to San Diego, I assume lives in the L.A. area. So that's pretty good. That's a good run. Yeah, you know? yeah. impressive. I don't, I don't think she was shipped off to, you know, Sheboygan or, you know, some godforsaken place in Mississippi. It's usually, it's usually the Quad Cities, oh. like in Iowa. That's where people go. You to, know people, too, who've worked in the Quad Cities. We actually like, we know multiple people. Almost everyone that I know in the in the TV business started there. What a friggin' nightmare. I mean, it's that's America for you. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, big up, big up, grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Trade deadline day in Major League Baseball. Did I miss all the big deals that the White Sox made? No, they're kind of asleep at the wheel. White Sox were one of the four favorites in the American League. They had a loaded team. Their pitching is underperformed. They've been very beat up. They're also managed by an old doddering fool. They're 51 and 51. I mean, they're just going to give up. You have 61 games left. All right, 60 games left. If you get healthy, you get on the dance floor, they have a lot of talent. And it's one thing to not trade, really trade for anyone. They, they tinkered a little bit. Tony La Russa, at the start of the game last night, he's on camera. Like, this is you after a 19-hour workday, you know? And you just you, you look at you, and you're like, he's starting to fade. He's falling asleep at the start of the game! And then, of course, the jokes come in on Twitter. They're like, well, he's probably hammered. He's had some problems in the past. Sure. He's falling asleep he's, at the beginning of the game. He's 80 years old. And I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not trying to be an ageist. I am. I, I, my mother is 78. I guarantee if she was managing the White Sox, she'd be, let's go! 
What the F are you doing? Yeah, but like she would be she'd be awake and ready to go. Maybe in March and April, but by July she no, might be stop. taking naps at the game. You can't you, you bruh. Is he get up too early? Is he staying out too late? What is happening here? He's 77. This is one of the dumbest hires in the history of baseball. We told you last year. And this year has been an utter disaster. Uh, And when you said, did they make any trades? They're asleep at the wheel. That was my... I totally missed that. I mean, come on. He's just napping in the dugout. Come on, that sound crew. At least you could back me up with a a laugh track. (laughs) I totally missed it. For those... For those that shot, didn't yeah. see it, and you're, you're describing it accurately, yeah. but it was one of those things where he was kind of drifting off, and then he went to sleep, and then his head kind of dropped to the yep. point where he woke himself yeah. up. Real That's quick. me on an airplane, <laughs> right? My head just starts bobbing, and, and I'm like, "Oh God, what's it's, going it, on here?" It's preposterous you're, that he's the manager of this team. You're managing a major league baseball team. There's, I don't know, I don't, I don't know the, what the crowd the, was. The There's noise, the cacophony in the stadium. There's, there's people walking by, you, bats and. Pitches and gloves and the minimum being thrown. The minimum job requirement is just stay awake during the game. That's all we're asking for. (laughs) Stick your hand in there, Dave. Get a nap during the day or something, man. What a total disaster. Uh, Hard knock starts up. Woo! Not not tonight. I know. Feels like it should start uh, tonight, right? It feels like it should go all year. They doing one less episode for one. No, I think it's because they they just started camp. The Raiders have been. We're thinking because the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But God, man, it's gonna be. How's the trailer? Dan Campbell giving a motivational speech. What Woo-hoo! do you mean? All right. Let's go. <laughs> what do you mean? I love it. It's fantastic. We're smarter. We're tougher. We're better. I'm getting the juices are flowing. So good. I love football coaches. Dan I really Cam- do. And Dan I, Campbell is I the love prototypical football coach. Tell everyone right now what my material will be for most of the month of August when it comes to hard knocks. Uh, you'll be using it to motivate employees here in the building. No, I'm not going <laughs> to use it to motivate employees. I say it every year. I want this place to run like a football team. Well, you want cut day. I would love cut day. <laughs> Great. We're going to have to send you. I, you but I, I but would, will Campbell Will Campbell have the emotion? Or will he just be like, beat it, kid? Like, okay, Dan, God, settle down. I would even Even if it just was the month of August here at Lotus Broadcasting, God, I would love to get screamed at. But everyone gets screamed at. I mean, I would rather the Dolphins be on Hard Knocks because I would love the Mike McDaniel Hard Knocks and Tyree Kill making Waffle House to open well, 24. I, down the road, down the road, I do want to see Mike McDaniel, but that ain't football guy. No, that's different. Ben Campbell is football. No, guy. Fo- he is the big galoot that we talk about all the time. This is going to be fantastic. I'm so looking forward to it. I wish it was God, tonight. I love this. Why is it tonight, HBO? Get it together. <laughs> I was at, uh, I'm not going to say which practice, but like one of the practices recently, it's just like start doing drills and guys like lean over, you know, because it sucks. It's hot. And the coaches are like, stand up. I'm like, yes. Yes. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Right? He couldn't coach, but he was football guy, Singletary. Sure. That's awesome. God. Just give us a month of that. What, Let us do it. What do you think Cutdown Day will be like for Dan Campbell, though? Oh, how emotional it's going to be! Well, he's he's going to handle the cut. He right? is galoot, but he's more he is more sensitive than he's. Oh, I think he's got. For. I think he's got both sides. He's going to cry. A delegate. lot of big hugs. He might delegate so he doesn't have to go through it. I hope not. Ah, me too. Was it one? Was it last year? Or the year before? They they really didn't show many of them. I didn't like that. 
Stick your hand in there, Dave. I was out at UNLV basketball practice today, run Rebels. They that, actually get to practice. The Kevin Kruger yelling, get up! Um, maybe. <laughs> uh, they get to practice ten times during the summer because they're going on a, a, a Canadian trip. They're going to play three games. Vancouver area. 15th to the 21st. We'll have three of the games right here somewhere on one of our stations. We don't know yet because we're waiting on the aces. You know what's going on with the end of the season and broadcast schedule. So that's really cool. We're going to have three of those games, all three games broadcasted. Uh, John and Curtis will be on the road with them. And they're going to have a tape delayed um, video of the game up on YouTube. Nice. So that'll be neat. And um, that story I just told about, you know, stand up, that was not. Rebel basketball practice, ah. but there was some good yelling today. Good. They were doing a fast break drill, and at, at times it didn't look like they were going fast enough. So there was some, there was some good screaming. I, I Kevin or the assistants? Someone. I don't oh, know. Come on, Ke- like, I, I, like, I want, I want Kevin to be more intense. He Give me some yelling. He's got his moments. He does. Yeah. He 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 he, he picks and chooses his spots because Lon did too. Oh, <laughs> Lon was a yeller. But. Um, I liked the physicality of the team. I'll say one of the one of the late guys they got in the recruiting process in the portal was Shane Noel, who's a Pacific Northwest guy. They got him from Arizona. He had a short time at Arizona. He's uh, he's he's built like a truck. They got they got some big thick guys now to play on the wings, and they got plenty of big guys. 